incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Makhnihle. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. The show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. As part of To Proudly Go's weekly Star Trek variety show, you've seen her as Seven of Nine, Deanna Troy, Tilly, and Kess. If you scroll a little further back, you'll see her as Princess Leia and Dolly Parton from New York City. New York City! It's Flip Kiki! Yeah! Hi, hi, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. We, uh, you know, usually uh, just to kind of pull the curtain back for the listeners a little bit here. uh, Generally, when I jump on with somebody, we do a little 10, 15 minute, just kind of, okay, everything uh, going all right. Uh, We've been talking for two hours already. (laughs) I know, it's terrible. No, this is. I'm so happy about it because it's like how often do you get to really connect and geek out with someone that's on the same energy for me if you can be on my energy level i'm like hats off because oh. she's a lot <laughs> she is a lot but i'm also an actress so if you want to like nice to meet you <laughs> however you want to do it you just tell me <laughs> no this is so wonderful i have been uh you know, it's, uh, and again, uh, you know, letting people uh, see behind the curtain a little bit. We actually first talked months ago. Uh, it was before you moved. So was it a long, long time ago? Was it last year? It was. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Me. Before the holidays? No. Yeah. 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 Oh, I did wow. my Brooklyn apartment like soon after the week of Christmas or the week before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So then it would have been. It would have been. We talked before Comic Con because you. That happened after we spoke. Yes. So that was August. So oh. it was last summer. It was almost a year ago. Not oh. just last wow. year. Jeez Louise. Oh man, this is. Uh, this, this has been. been this has been. So, <laughs> this has been in the works for a while, and I I've feel been... like we we're not supposed to be together. <laughs> like the fact you know what i mean it's like the universe is like no no and we're like oh <laughs> or, or maybe or maybe the universe is just kind of like not yet like, not yet people. hold hold okay go <laughs> but those to me those are the best connections are those people where you're like we should not be left alone right <laughs> <laughs> where's the adult <laughs> who put us in charge exactly oh <laughs> Oh, the inmates have taken over the asylum, folks. Here we are. Uh, so um, let's so let's let's go back in time. And I think I first became aware of. I think I became aware of to proudly go first when I, I was. I don't know this. Uh, I don't know how you found me. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, 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 yeah, it's. I think when I was setting up the social media for this show, it was just kind of like, "Hey, who's into Star Trek?" <laughs> 
And I found to proudly go. And I was just like, oh, this is fun. This is like such a unique idea. So hit follow. And then, of course, started getting all y'all's stuff. And then I think I may have followed a few folks. I'm not sure if you were in that first batch or not. But then you came into vision for me when you were part of a panel at New York Comic Con. Um Take us, take us from like your, take us from like how you got involved with to proudly go to that first panel at New York Comic Con. Like, just briefly, kind of take us through that series of events because I, I mean we've nerded out a lot about Star Trek, but I don't know that I've know that I know this I particular know, yeah. story about you. Yeah, um, it's actually it's kind of how everything has ever happened. Mm. It kind of just happened. Um, yeah, I very much believe in if you are if you are on the path and you are moving forward and always doing things to move forward, you're gonna find where what you're supposed to find. Mm. And that's literally what happened. I it was post pandemic. Okay. I was not doing drag. Like I had I had done drag since 2000. I started in like 2011. Mm. So 2011 to 2019, like that that's a career. Yeah, yeah. And then the pandemic happened and nightlife died for a minute. And so it was starting to come back Mm -hmm. and I was finding myself, I I like to do, I do like to do things deliberately with a purpose. Mm. So not to sound too pretentious, but it felt like a comeback. Like I was ready to make a comeback. Absolutely. So it's like, I needed to figure out, okay, what does that look like? What do like, let's make this an informed decision. What do you want to do? Do you like, I have done so many things. I've hosted karaoke's. I've hosted trivia nights. I've done, you know, variety shows. What, what ignites me? If this is going to be a rebirth, let's, let's really go. Yeah. And so I made a list. And one of the things I put down was like, I would love to incorporate Star Trek into my drag. I had just, you know, I'd watched Jackie Cox on drag race, whom I've known for years. Um, I've known her for a long time and I loved watching her journey on drag race. And then she started doing like cosplay drag. You know, she had her, I dream of Jeannie show. Then she started doing star Trek. And like, I don't even think I knew she was a Trekkie, even though I had known her, we knew each other through nightlife. So our, every conversation was about drag and about that. Yeah. Um, It's funny when we, when, when you meet fellow performers, it's always shop talk. Yes. Yeah. But we never talked about Star Trek and it turns out like she, she loves Star Trek and she found a way to incorporate that into her drag, which really inspired me. And then another thing was I wanted to find a way to do shows that gave, that gave back in a way, mm, rather mm-hmm. charity, something, because it's like, you know, I, like I said, I was look I was reflecting on my career and it's like, I've done bar shows where it's like, I go, I drink, I party, I have fun, I get paid to do something that's fun. But what am I, what am I doing as an artist? What mm. am I contributing other than to liquor sales? So yeah. I want to give back. And then I saw, I saw this event pop up on my Facebook presented by To Proudly Go. It was going to be a Lower Decks viewing party with a Star Trek themed drag show. And it was for charity. And I was like, oh my God, that this is eerie yeah yeah this is checking it's checking so many boxes on my list yeah so I was like so what I want my only thought was what I want exists like this can happen yeah and then I was like and also like I would go to this and that was also what I was looking for is like I was 
I was tired of doing shows that I was at because I was working them. Mm. But it's like, would I go see this show? And it's like, if you're asking yourself that, then maybe you should revisit what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> or find a way to make it, make it for you. I was yeah. doing what I was doing, what the bar wanted or what the audience wanted, but I wasn't asking what do I want? Mm. And so I messaged Heather Wood, who's um, the main producer. She's the founder of To Proudly Go and the producer of the show. And I just told her, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. I'm going to come check it out. I'm looking forward to like coming. And she responded like, oh my God, that is like, I cannot wait to see you. I would love to have you in the show. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that, I, I know it sounds crazy that I wasn't trying to get on the show, but I really wasn't. I was just tr- getting my feet wet. Like like dipping back into going out, socializing, you know, it was hard for all of us to reacclimate. Right, right. So I I went to the opening night. It was amazing. I loved it. And I immediately saw like, I I see what I can do here. Mm. I like Heather, Heather was newer to running her own show. And I had done that. So it's like, I can help there. I can help show run. I can help refine a set list and like you know cut the fat and give time for the meat to Mm. get more out there and and that that that's what will always get me interested is like can I contribute yeah yeah I know I can just show up and do a show but can I make it better can I challenge myself can can I grow through this Mm. um and that's basically it I started doing the show I started as like a bi-weekly guest no the first for the first little bit run I was just like a I I think I just did like two shows I did like a little appearance and then I did the finale um maybe three and then when we came back for I believe it was Discovery was next Mm -hmm. the timeline always gets me iffy because they've switched yeah (laughs) but I believe it was Lower Decks and then Discovery yeah that sounds right when we started doing the Discovery run I became a every other week guest star and then and now I'm there every week (laughs) Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so amid, amid the, uh, those performances, those, and the first, those first three kind of transitional of like appearing a couple times and then like, uh, every other week. And now like you're a full, you know, you're, you're there all the time. At what point did the New York comic-con thing come to be? How did that come to be? So that was almost a year. Okay. Yeah. I joined like September of 2021 mm-hmm. that's when lower decks was i think it was like the tail end of summer mm-hmm. um and then so comic-con was last august so yeah it was like a year into our journey and that was very new for to proudly go i they hadn't been going on for very long when i joined in okay Heather even says now she's like you can say you've been with us since the beginning because it's literally just a few months like they started in march yeah and there i was the end of summer so yeah, 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 pretty close. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and most of that time before me was spent on the non for profit, like mm. getting that organized, getting that going, and then I kind of came in for production side. Okay, and that was still something they were trying to figure out, like what can we do besides viewing events? Mm. Um, what like what other appearances can we do? And then that very next summer, we were doing like. We did a Pride March. We did Flame Con. We did Comic Con. Like that's a lot of growth for a young yeah entity. Yeah, yeah. But that's already putting yourself on a platform in front of so many eyes when it's like we're still figuring out. Yeah, 
we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So but I kind of love that because I like to learn on the fly. I like to like, I'm, I'm like, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. Exactly. That's the exactly. only way you're going to know anyway. Right. You can <laughs> and you can work. You can, you can put a year into something. And then the second you do it in front of an audience, you're like, well, that didn't work. That didn't work at all. <laughs> put it in front of them earlier and see, um, see if it's working. Yeah. There's been times where it's like, okay, my set's not going too well. I've got this killer joke. It, you know, I've been batting a thousand with it and you hit that joke and it's crickets. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay. Moving right along. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, the panel at New York Comic-Con, what was the subject matter? Who was on it? Take me through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was hosted by Chase Masterson. Mm. She has an organization, um, the Pop Culture pop culture hero coalition okay yep i think that i've heard the shorthand um hero irl oh okay they refer to themselves now because i was like that's a mouthful yeah um and i i usually lip sync <laughs> <laughs> but um it was a panel they were putting on she was putting on through her organization and it was basically just empathy and acceptance mm. through science fiction like how has star trek and other forms of science fiction storytelling taught us to be better people um and it was such a rewarding panel to be on because i i found star trek at a young age um i grew up in the deep south where i didn't encounter a lot of people that i related to yeah. i was always having to like okay this part of me fits with this person mm. this part of me fits with this person but there was never a place where i was like i am whole and accepted here yeah and yeah. star trek Wow, that was a quick emotion. Um, Star Trek gave me that level of like aspirational acceptance. It's not something I had, yeah. but it's something that at least now seemed possible. Yeah. It's like there is a there is a time and a place where I will fit in. Yeah. Um, so that was my connection to it. So then to be on a panel where that was the it wasn't just let's talk about Star Trek. Let's talk about how Star Trek helps us as people, not just how it entertains us, but how it challenges us to be better people it was it was really like i'm kind of reliving that moment right now and yeah. i forgot how powerful it was yeah you know i've i've never shied away from uh on this show and you know any any show i'm on really if we're talking about science fiction i'm i usually am pretty quick to point out that some of the best science fiction is a, a cautionary tale and yeah. it's a it's a mirror held up to society of like hey Maybe we're not talking about folks that are black and white. We're talking about folks who are green and blue or, uh, you know, something along those lines. And it's, uh, you know, but we're able to have those discussions because it's in this particular format. And, uh, you know, being able to look at things and ask questions. And I, I feel like there's so many folks that just, well, I don't understand. So my default is to reject it. Yeah. And that, first of all, what a, what a bad idea. <laughs> As opposed to just asking questions and being able to say, hey, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't understand. Can I ask? Will you help me, help me learn and, and grow? And there's so many people that miss out on some really fantastic opportunities because because of that so let me um first of all thank you very much for sharing that experience oh, yeah. um and uh it's 
it's so wonderful to see uh to see anyone get uh you know emotionally charged about the things that they're passionate about i love that and and we love that here on the show so thank you so much for that um if you don't mind i'd like to go back and i i always ask when when someone comes on with a very um with a very specific art or talent or something along those lines but they are also very much into star trek i always like to ask the question which came first, your love of Star Trek, or in this case, you uh, getting into drag, and and how how that all came to be? So so which came first for you, Star Trek or drag? Star Trek. Okay. Was yeah, was I found it Star Trek very young? Yeah. Let, let, uh, how did you how did you come to Star Trek? What was uh, did someone introduce it to you? Was it a particular show? Like let's. What was the genesis? uh for for your introduction into star trek my earliest memories of star trek are of the original series mm. it would come on at three o'clock like on the dot right after school yeah and so i would watch it when i got home i was always i don't know no one showed me these things i found them it was it's very weird to me like i think it does speak for something about like being an old soul and having like like it's like i I don't know what in a past life I was connected to with storytelling, but I've always been drawn to very strong storytelling. And at the end of the day, all other things aside in Star Trek, that's what it was. It was just storytelling. Yeah. It was parables and morality plays. And like you said, it's holding a mirror up, but it was also holding a mirror up with a positive glint on it. Yeah. Like yeah. there is a solution. We should ask questions. And I, goes back to what you were saying. I think the reason that we immediately reject the unknown mm. because that's how we are wired as animals in a ecosystem. Yeah. We're we're hardwired. This is new. Is it a threat? Is it not? Until I know I'm protecting myself. That's how we're wired. But mm. our society has changed. Yeah. We we know better now. So we're having to rewire how we are wired. And Star Trek is one of those things that helps us do that because it shows, if you show a person the parts of something mm -hmm. and then the finished product, yeah, it might take them some time, but eventually they'll figure out how to put that together. Mm. That's a skill that we innately have is, is high reasoned thought. And oh. Star Trek shows us the result of like, if you do this, this, and this, if you get over your, your petty individualism mm. and you look at a bigger picture, this is what the picture would look like. So it shows us the picture because without that, it's all, it's all abstract. Huh. And there aren't most, most futuristic things are post-apocalyptic yeah. and dystopian, dystopian, which is interesting yeah. and fun, mm -hmm. but it's not aspirational. Star Trek is aspirational. Yeah. It's our future. And it's a future where, and I've heard this said from many people, it, these are not my words, but it's a future where we didn't, we didn't become our worst. We became our best. We became our best. That, I love that. I love that sentiment. That's yeah. That's a really wonderful thing. Um, I mean, that's what that's what initially drew me to it. Huh. Was like they were my. You know, I was never really. I've come to love these things as an adult now, but I was never really into like su like superheroes mm. at that age. Mm -hmm. These were my heroes. These were my superheroes. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it opened me up to other things. And now it's like, I love all the heroes. <laughs> but like at the time, I don't know what it was about Star Trek, but that's the, that's what grabbed me. Wow. 
I, I remember TOS and then I remember the, I remember watching Best of Both Worlds. Nice. Two. Oh yeah. Live. Like yeah. I've never seen it um, that I can remember, but I remember Best of Both Worlds. And then that got me into like, it's like, oh, there's more. <laughs> yeah. And that became insatiable. Like that's when the, the action figures started and I started buying the books, magazine, Star Trek Insider, Communicator. Oh then, yeah. Oh. With the pull-out posters. Yes. Oh. All over my room. I mean, I still have, as you see. Oh yeah. Kids, you you won't know. You won't know the magic of those Star Trek magazines. They're so great. Yeah. <laughs> and the and gosh, yeah, the pull-out poster. Wow. Oh, yeah. I had I remember I had Tom Paris on my bedroom wall because <laughs> oh, I wanted to be Belana Torres when I grew up. And that's what he liked, so I liked him. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's my type. Yeah, that what you just did—that little uh, just that came through the screen. <laughs> I was just like, "Whoa, we're feeling it." I hear you. <laughs> I haven't thought about Tom Paris in a long time because I have I have matured, and now I now I I have my own taste. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's like any teen crush; they'll always have you. You, I don't hold a flame for Tom Paris anymore, but he will always have a soft spot. In oh, my heart. I, you know, uh, and I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times before and you've heard me mention it already tonight. Deanna Troy. I, I, I feel like Deanna Troy was for, you know, uh, oh, well, I won't speak for anybody else, but for me, certainly it was just kind of like, Hey, young man, how do we feel about this? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I like that. That's, yeah. that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's clearly I love my wife. We're, we're about to, we're about to hit our 15 year wedding anniversary. So, but at the same time, like if I met Marina Sirtis, I don't know that I could look her in the face and be like, I, I'm, I can't stand this close to you. That is fair. <laughs> Talk about like a face to launch a thousand starships. Ooh. Like she was, she was a space princess. Yes. Yes. And that's what I loved. Like as a little, like as a little gay boy, <laughs> it was like I was always made to feel that my my feminine qualities mm. I've always had I've always had I've always been very in touch with my feminine side mm-hmm. I was always made to feel like that was um not a good thing that's our society teaches that that female is weaker therefore feminine is bad it's like why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to be stronger and here in Star Trek we saw these female characters who were feminine but we're also intelligent yeah. and taken seriously and respected by everyone around them. So it's like the things I took from it. Yeah. It's I, I still unpack it as an adult. I'm like, Oh my God, like this is from Star Trek. My, the way I think about this is from Star Trek. It's because I was I, like, I was taught this from society, but thank God the crew of the enterprise was like, <laughs> thank God for the crew of the enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> well it's they're, they're yeah. trying their society's doing their best but <laughs> yeah don't they're that in. exactly <laughs> your own prime directive <laughs> and yeah like that's why those not like you we access these characters in, in our own way we all access them differently mm. but then when you talk to someone who's like oh yeah i like this character because i i wanted to be like them or i wanted to be their friend yeah. And when you talk about why you like these characters, and it's like we all love them for the same reasons. Mm. It, it, they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. Whether they're whether they're making mistakes, learning, growing, 
at the core, they want to be good people because that's how we are. We all, everyone wants to be a good person. Yeah. We don't always know how. We don't always know in every situation how. Yeah. And they they teach us. Yeah, they do. It's it's weird the things that you glean from your pop culture intake growing up. I, I, I mean, Star Trek, obviously, but like other things like, uh, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to own a vintage uh, sports car and have a long ponytail and wear nothing but tight white T-shirts and blue jeans because that's how Adrian Paul looked on Highlander. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a man <laughs> and and have a sword under your coat all the time. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, oh, that's a guy. That's a, that's a man, you know, yeah, we, but there are, we, we pick up archetypes. Yeah. We, archetypes. So, yes. Like we are, we are brought into this, into this life. Yeah. Not knowing anything about ourselves. So we have to learn, we have to learn ourselves. So as we're doing that, we look at, we look around us. Yeah. When I say they were my heroes, that's what I mean. They were the people that like, I could see myself, like, I didn't see myself being the men around me. Mm -hmm. I loved them. I respected them, the men in my family, like, of course, but I didn't, I didn't see me. It's like, no, this is not for me. Right. So you're drawn to the people where you're like, oh, I could see, I could do that. I could be that. I don't know how, but I, I, I I could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've even said, and then, and then we'll move on. But I, I even, I've even said a couple of times that like, I mean, we, we talked, we talked earlier, but before we started rolling about, you know, uh, you know, the different people in our lives and, 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 and all of those things. And I've always said that like Jean-Luc Picard was very much the calm, but assertive, wise voice that I needed growing up as a young man. Not that I, you know, not that my dad wasn't around or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, you know, my father was a Vietnam veteran. So he, he, he brought that baggage and, you know, uh, again, being raised in the South, you know, the heavy religious influence, you know, there was that too, which was very oppressive and all of these things. But at the same time, there was someone who actually kind of looks a lot like my dad, (laughs) but on, on a starship who was very understanding, but adhered to the rules, but was able to get the job done and showed empathy and, and, and all these wonderful things for his very motley crew there. It was a very wide spectrum of personalities and ages and backgrounds and and all other things. But he was, he was the captain. I'm just kind of like, okay, that, that was another, that was another guy who was just kind of like, that's a man, you know, it's like, okay. Okay. So we, Aspire to okay, Earl Grey tea. Got it. Earl Grey tea. All right. But yeah. Deanna Troy, Troy is the reason I'm I'm a chocoholic. I, yeah, I was about to say. I like I I wanted to try everything chocolate because she loved chocolate. And then it's like the second I found like a good dark chocolate, I was like, oh, I get it, Deanna. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like gain way with coffee. It's like that woman got me. I was I was started drinking coffee way too early. Because I was like, well, that's what mom does. Of course. Uh, yes, of course. Why that's wouldn't you? Mom does. That's what space mom <laughs> does. I want to be just like her. <laughs> well, that, uh, I, okay. So now it's time for a brand new segment, Cooking with Todd. So here's how Todd does his coffee in the morning. Ooh. I get, uh, of course, I'm getting to a certain age where I have to uh, include Benefiber. So, all right, we're just going to, we're going to set that aside, but just know that that's there. 
but I get some dark roast. Um, I've got the, you know, the pitcher here at the house, the wife and I go through gallons of coffee. Um, but I always start with a packet of Swiss miss cocoa mix and then pour the coffee right in on top. Just, it, it just, it's, it's, it's enough to take the bitter edge off, mm-hmm. but to, it also adds to the richness of the coffee or it's like just like, yeah. yeah, it's now if, if we're in the summer months, I might go for a cold brew and prep some either some like chocolate milk ice cubes mm-hmm. or like a cream liqueur ice cube to drop in it yeah. um but if it if, if we're in the colder months i may do like a double shot of whiskey i i usually have pretty big mugs so a double shot pretty pretty much disappears into the mug of course for that nebula mm. i want to go <laughs> I'm like so boring. I'm an ice latte year round. I don't, I do not like a hot beverage. Um, and I have an obsession with lavender vanilla. Ooh. The combination, not too much. I don't okay. need it too sweet. I like to taste the coffee, but I do like when the flavor complements the coffee. Like it brings out a nuttiness. I don't need to drown the coffee. Right. But yeah, just like a little subtle van- lavender vanilla. The lavender has like a spicy floral and then the vanilla, like a good vanilla, just like adds a little soft sweet. And with the right, like dark or medium roast that has like a nutty weight. Ugh, I'm telling you what. And if you, I, I drink dairy. Okay. I'll sometimes get it with oat milk just because the flavor, like oat with the vanilla, with the lat, it's like, it, it blends well. It blends okay. well. I, I've recently had to, uh, at the insistence of my wife, stop drinking dairy <laughs> uh, for reasons I won't get into. But anyways. Uh, yeah, I switched to oat milk and she's a big coconut milk gal. Um, she'll even, yeah, it's, it is a very specific flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, and she likes that on her cereal and I've tried it. I get it. But for me, I'm a big Cheerios guy. Mm -hmm. So like regular or honey nut. Mm -hmm. See that I could, I can go for either at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. If I'm buying for myself, I think I go classic. I think I go original you well yeah. the oat milk, that's the other thing is like oat milk gives a little flavor yeah. to where you don't need the sweet yeah, yeah it adds definitely. like that od and i'll even go as far as i'll have my bowl of cereal first and with the oat milk that's left after the cereal i'll just go ahead and pour that straight into my coffee mug and then add my swiss miss and then pour my coffee pour my coffee in and i'm ready to go <laughs> you're not meant you're not meant to have to learn <laughs> like we're literally t- we're, we're like on a star trek podcast talking <laughs> about <laughs> cereal recipes yep here we are <laughs> so okay let's let's jump back in here How my so, brain is wired <laughs> exactly <laughs> All over. oh oh look at these adorable little add kids trying to trying to hold a, a steady train of thought <laughs> i'm like no i'm just gonna ride the ride it's great now we're over it. here <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, so we, so we talked about your introduction into, uh, into Star Trek, where, where, when did drag come into play? Like when, when, when was the, when was that initial spark of, Hey, I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. When, When did that happen? How did that happen for you? It wasn't my idea. Really? Yeah. Okay. And now that I've done it for so long and I have found like, I have found my power in it. I found my love of it. Um, 
Star Trek drag has reinvigorized my love of drag because I'm like, oh, this is my jam. I'm glad that I did drag drag because that taught me the art form of drag. And now I'm glad that like I'm finding my niche of drag where it's like, oh, this is my jam. Um, It's kind of like everything else was training leading up to this. Um, But yeah, I moved to New York. I moved here to be a makeup artist. I was, I thought I was BTS. Really? I, I, I loved, I loved collaborating on the art. I loved being a part of making it, but I didn't see myself as part of the product. Like the visual. Okay. I was behind the scenes. I was not front and center. I, that's not how I saw myself. Huh. Um, and thank God I was wrong. And thank God I had friends that were like, no one puts baby in a corner. <laughs> like that's literally what happened. I, was a broke artist in New York. I had befriended a drag queen and it was going to be her birthday. And I was like, I can't like, I can't really spend anything on you right now. (laughs) Like like, I was doing graphic design. I was doing photo editing. I was like, like I can gift you whatever you want as far as like that. If you want me to like make a poster for you, make artwork for you, like that's your birthday present. And um, she ended up choosing the most expensive gift she could have chosen because she said, I want you to come to my birthday party and drag. Oh, I want to see. I just want to see. Okay. Um, And that's how that's I was like, okay, like literally it was not my idea. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then I found her. I found Flip. And it's it's been a ride since then. And now it's like, I can't imagine not. Um, Mm. Yeah, that's that's so wild. So, OK, so uh, so we've 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 talked about, you know, th- your reemergence with uh, Star Trek drag. And we've talked about, you know, uh, you know, your introduction to Star Trek and how you got into drag. So let's jump forward to 2017 okay. Discovery airs. And it's the first time Star Trek's been on TV since Enterprise ended in 05. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh five. And um, so what was what was your initial reaction knowing that you kind of grew up on TOS and then became so immersed in uh what I was calling the TNG era, but I've been corrected, it is now called the legacy era, legacy era trek. Yeah. How did new trek hit you with those first few episodes of Discovery? Well, I will backtrack just a little bit. I know we're talking about TV. But I remember my excitement over J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek. That's how I approach Star Trek. I am a f- I, I'm not a fan of Star Trek. I do not prescribe to fan culture. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. I am, a su- I am a supporter of Star Trek. I am a lover of Star Trek. When you love something, mm. you accept it. Yes, yes. With its flaws, with its faults, you accept it. Um, it's a franchise that has been around since long before I was here. Yeah. It had its, you know, its stumbling points. There are parts of TOS that are very hard to watch with modern eyes. Yeah. But it's it's almost like real life history. You can't ignore it. You can't look away from it because to do so would be to discount all the growth it's it it has. It, like how much it how much better it has become. Yeah. How much more self aware. Mm. It's like back then they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know that they were literally giving us a blueprint for something. They were just telling stories. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like it behind the scenes is becoming 
as highly aware and mm-hmm. thoughtful mm-hmm. as the characters in the show are. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely- and that's what I love about it. So I, anytime something Star Trek comes out, JJ Abrams movies, discovery, I'm just happy. Yeah. Cause it's like, I was there for the drought. Yeah. After Enterprise, when yeah. Enterprise limped away and like, it wasn't my favorite Star Trek, but it was mm. still Star Trek. Yeah. I will watch Enterprise before I watch anything non-Star Trek. Like if, like if you were like, you have to watch Enterprise, that's the only Star Trek available. Okay, cool. Pop it in. Yep. I I still have love for it. Yeah. So I, and I was there for all those years of no Trek and I thought it was over as we all did. Like we all thought we will never have Star Trek on TV again. Yep. That's it. That's the end. It's going to be a film franchise and that's cute. It's not the same. Like, yeah. you know. It's like those that's those those are the family members that are you kind of know them but you're not too close you only see them on holidays. Yep. And I need to, I need to, I need my friends, the friends that I saw every week. Yes. Like, yes. And so that was discovery. I was so excited. I wanted to see I wanted to see like how my friends were, my new friends that I was going to be making. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, that's so great. So by this point, uh, you know, we've gone through season one and we've dealt with all the stuff w- dealing with Lorca and and as much as I love Jason Isaacs uh, in that role, dude was a yeah, I was a bad, bad man. And then we got introduced to and of course, we lost Giorgio early on only to get a version of her back as mm-hmm. Emperor Giorgio, which Oh, so great. Uh-huh. And now we're into season two where, you know, we've met Christopher Pike and we've uh, we've grown with these characters. We've seen Stamets and Culber, their relationship, which I think it, I am, I'm sure the Internet will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the first marriage that we've watched on Star Trek. In terms of like we've seen them, we 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 didn't meet them courting. We we were introduced to them as a married couple, and gosh, they became favorites in this house for sure. Like yeah. they're just so so wonderful. Uh, you know, going on to Tilly, uh, you know, seeing her uh make these uh at times painful but necessary uh growths you know, growth in her interpersonal uh, communication, uh, personal growth and standing up for herself and asserting herself of like, oh, I'm a really good scientist, like, <laughs> like, and really being able to stand up for herself and, you know, seeing um, Burnham, who is on this journey of discovery, of rediscovery of her own humanity and what it means to be part of something bigger, you know, as much as she was in Vulcan culture, it's still very standoffish. And now being, you know, on board a Starfleet vessel, like you're part of a crew, you can't not be part of a crew. And because of her previous experience, like it's a little bit harder for her to be accepted. But when she is, she has to rediscover how to be willing to accept being accepted and, 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 you know, and everything that comes with that Saru, Saru, who can't, uh, you know, he is the only Kelpian in Starfleet at this point. So this is a journey of like, every day is a journey of discovery for him. And then there's so many things going on 
that now we come to this particular episode, Saints of Imperfection, where we are seeing we are seeing the outcome of what our ingenuity has brought about in terms of you know we've we've discovered this wonderful thing the mycelial network and it's natural and the whole thing of like we can travel faster and uh, we, we can travel immediately it's not even traveling faster you're just there like but now we're seeing the ramifications coming to light what were your initial thoughts about this episode in particular? We'll, we'll stay spoiler free for a moment, but what were your initial thoughts about watching? Uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Reno is now part of the crew and Stamets and Tilly are trying to figure out what's going on with uh, the mycelial network. And we've, we've got a lot of stuff going on here. So what were your initial thoughts uh, jumping back into this episode? I apologize that you're going to have to edit something. That's okay. Because I do want to answer your question. Yeah. But I have to speak on something that you said. Yes, please. It's kind of, you triggered a thought that I've never, Discovery is the track that I have revisited the least. Okay. Um, Only because doing the show, doing the what I do, mm-hmm. I kind of, I'm so busy doing whatever Star Trek is happening yeah. that I don't often get to go back anymore. Because I have to like be, I have to be cognizant of what's happening now. Oh yeah. Everything lately was Picard. That was like, and so now I'm, I just went back and rewatched Strange New Worlds in anticipation of season two. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I saw things completely differently. And you are making me like, I'm seeing Discovery completely differently right now. Because what you just did, Lorca gets a lot of heat. Yeah. And the reason being, he betrayed us. Yep. the audience yep he was a captain yeah they are our heroes uh-huh. every captain yeah every star trek i hold in such reverence oh, yeah. like janeway cisco picard kirk they all showed what good leadership is in their own way mm-hmm. like you knew at the end of the day they're a good guy <laughs> like that's what i'm saying they're good people yeah so we trust them Lorca was the first starfleet captain main protagonist captain Mm -hmm. betrayed us in that way so i understand the heat he gets but i think what i just realized as you were talking was like he also deserves credit because you just described the crew of discovery and it's true you have tilly who is on her she's 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 cookie dough she's not yeah (laughs) yeah she's so unsure she doesn't know like i don't even know that she's awkward or that she's just never felt accepted so she couldn't she couldn't open. Yeah. So she, the awkwardness came from her not knowing how much she could show. Mm-hmm. And Michael Burnham, she made mistakes. She made big mistakes. She was a mutineer in Starfleet. Yeah. She's going to be judged by that. Stamets has his personality, like his, his unique way of speaking to people that can be off-putting. Yeah. They are the island of misfit toys. <laughs> yeah. But if anyone is going to be able to look at them, and say, I don't care about your personality because I don't care about you as a yeah. person. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I need what you can do. That's going to be a Terran. That's going to be Lorca. He's yeah. pragmatic enough to say, I don't care about your mistakes. I don't care how awkward you are. You can do the job that I need. To, I, I need to get back home. Yep. He built a team that were the best and the brightest, yeah. but that weren't seen as the best and the brightest because they were being judged by how they come across. Yeah. And I think we wouldn't have these amazing 
nuanced ragtag misfit toys Lorca collected them yeah so yeah, it's he like sure did. he deserves credit for that it's like he came in and he definitely messed some stuff up but we got the crew of discovery out of that <laughs> Yeah, you know, in looking at just to expand on what you just said, it's 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 you you're absolutely right. At first, and they were there was a moment where they're like, "This is a science vessel." Uh, this is a war vessel. We are in we are in a war. <laughs> you are soldiers. We got to be able to we got to be able to toe the line. And there's brought out things in them that they yeah. didn't know they had. Yeah, and, and there's like he, he was such an extreme, but he showed these kids. Yeah. that like we we are badasses too yep we're, we're not just awkward scientists we're badasses and that's right. what civil fleet officers have always been they're brilliant but they're also tough and strong and principled and it's like we kind of saw discovery was supposed to be an origin tale for michael mm. but it's kind of turned into an origin tale for every character yeah it's their journey to becoming the starfleet officers we're used to seeing yeah none exactly none of them started out that way yeah they all had their baggage they all had their issues and they still do and that's what's beautiful is that they're taking themselves on the journey they're not changing they're growing yeah gosh yeah you're absolutely right it's you know he their their level of competence in the realm of science was so high that yeah it's kind of he had to he had to push to get that level of being able to stand in a firefight, you know, and to, get, officers. to make they were officers. scientists. Yeah. Yeah. Like Stanton right. never belonged on a starship. He said that yeah. he's theoretical. He wants to be in a lab. He thought that's what he wanted. Just like, I thought I didn't want to be a drag queen. Sometimes it takes someone outside of you to be oh, like, no, you're holding yourself back. You yeah. can do this. Yeah. I, it's, you can do this because I need you to like he, his, his motives are not good, yeah. but the product cannot be argued with oh yeah and i think and i think that's one of the fun things that has been done with new trek is the commentary on leadership um certainly of this country um good bad and being able to see where the faults are and see okay okay here's the silver lining of this aspect does you know and forcing us to examine is this gray cloud worth this small sliver of of silver lining you know and and really being able to assess like well i mean uh they even had that discussion between uh burnham and cornwell cornwell wanted to nuke the planet nuke quonos and it's like if we do that it's like we don't, we don't we don't have the luxury of morals and she's like our morals are all we have we have to find a better way. And, yeah. you know, looking at it's Enterprise, Enterprise did this. Enterprise premiered less than two weeks after 9-11. And unfortunately, they didn't really get a chance to comment on it until season three. But, you know, it called into question of like, you know, Archer grabs a pirate and shoves him in an airlock and hits depressurize. It's like, you'll kill him. He's like, no, not for another few seconds. He'll talk soon. Like, how? Wait, what? Again, you, you talk about uh, the captain's. Uh, betraying us in those there are a few there were quite a few moments in season three where archer was in some dicey territory of it's like, hard to watch it's hard to watch yeah, yeah. at the and end I of the think, day it's hard to watch i think the reason it is so hard for us is because his character was reacting the way we were reacting yeah 
And that's yeah. not what Star Trek does. Yeah. It yeah. shows us the better reaction. Yeah. And it, when it's at its best. Yes. So it's one of those moments I've said this often. Enterprise to me, it it ages the least well after TOS, which is crazy because it's literally they're the bookend of yeah. the uh, legacy. Yeah. And it's because 9-11, we were we were struggling as a society. Yeah. America had lost its identity. So it's not it's not strange that Star Trek had an identity crisis. That's what it was. Gosh, yeah, that's um, a good point. And Discovery, I think it was clever of them to start with an identity crisis because that's where Star Trek had left. Yeah. So when we, when we meet Michael, when we meet Tilly, they're all having an identity crisis. Identity crisis. And then we watch them get over it. It healed us as Trekkies along with healing Star Trek. Yeah. And gosh. I think Discovery is going to be that, it's going to be that series like DS9. DS9 at its time didn't always hit right because it was a little darker. It was a little more nuanced. Yeah. I didn't like it as well. I, lo- I love all Star Trek. But then you start ranking Star Treks and it's always in the middle. It's never at the top. Yeah. But my most recent rewatch as a grown up, as an adult, I now have an appreciation for it that I couldn't have. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen with Discovery is like, it was the first, it was the baby. It's going to have to stumble. It's going to have to crawl before it walks. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, we it was also launching a new streaming platform. So there was a lot of pressure on it. Oh yeah, so there's a lot of judged, stuff behind the scenes. Be the harshest. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I think that really sums up my thoughts about the genesis of Discovery. Like the new Trek birth is like there's going to be birthing pains. <laughs> like it's just going to. Oh, happen. for sure. But yeah, yeah, I think they walked so that Pike can run. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah. And- we're, I'm going to be a good host, co-host for you right now, and I'm going to bring us back to our topic. My feelings about this episode. Yes. Um, it felt like after the journey of season one, it had such highs and such lows and such uncertainty. Mm. Um, season two felt like a return to Trek. Like, yes, it did. Very this much. Episode, this episode is very that. There's a problem. There's a science problem. They need to science and figure out and they have to do it by working together. Like yep. that's Star Trek. That's what Star Trek does. And they did it in such an interesting way that didn't just solve the problem, but it also explored the issues, the interpersonal issues of the characters. Yes. Um, Like, so this episode, I was really excited about it um, without going spoilery, just because it was so interesting. We don't know what we don't know. They just discovered the mycelial network. They thought they knew how it worked. Yeah. And now we find out it's an ecosystem. It is an environment Mm -hmm. where there is life that you are, you have impacted and you are affecting. Yep. Um, this is the flip side to the coin, which is so topical for where yeah. we are as humans on this planet of like, yes. we've spent so much time using this planet and now we're, we need to learn how to coexist with the planet, Yeah, which is a living organism. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And so I thought this was, this was a return to those like cautionary tales and then showing us like, you made a mistake, but you can fix it. Mm. Never too, never too late to try to fix a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I love that message of this episode because it's like, that's a Star Trek message. It's like war is not the message of Star Trek. War happens, but yeah. like the Klingon war in season one, it was cool. It was kind of interesting. Just like the Dominion war was cool. It was interesting to see Star Trek at war. Yeah. But that's not Trek at its best. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, getting into some of the more, uh, you know, nuanced things, we've got a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of, we are, we are introduced to uh, a, a part of Starfleet that is little known, uh, but is in charge of doing things uh, that are a little shady and uh, with folks and tactics that are even shadier. Uh, but before we get too much further, let's get to this week's recap. on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at computerresume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?